Hi everybody, Carla here, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. I have a bit of news to share. Yesterday, on my very own, I set up a YouTube channel called, you guessed it, Carla Reads the Classics. Now, I haven't yet posted any videos. Those will be forthcoming. I just wanted to share that I did set it up, and I hope at some point you'll consider subscribing. I'm so looking forward to interacting with you there. And now, without further delay, let's get back to Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men, Chapter 3, Segment 1. Although there was evening brightness showing through the windows of the bunkhouse, inside it was dusk. Through the open door came the thuds and occasional clangs of a horseshoe game, and now and then the sound of voices raised in approval or derision. Slim and George came into the darkening bunkhouse together. Slim reached up over the card table and turned on the tin-shaded electric light. Instantly the table was brilliant with light, and the cone of the shade threw its brightness straight downward, leaving the corners of the bunkhouse still in dusk. Slim sat down on a box, and George took his place opposite. "'It wasn't nothing,' said Slim. "'I would have had to drown most of them anyways. No need to thank me about that,' George said. "'It wasn't much to you, maybe, but it was a hell of a lot to him. "'Jesus Christ, I don't know how we're going to get him to sleep in here. "'He'll want to sleep right out there in the barn with him. "'We'll have trouble keeping him from getting right in the box with them pups.' "'It wasn't nothing,' Slim repeated. "'Say, you sure was right about him. "'Maybe he ain't bright, but I never seen such a worker. "'He damn near killed his partner, Buck and Barley. "'There ain't nobody can keep up with him. "'God Almighty, I never seen such a strong guy.' "'George spoke proudly. "'Just tell Lenny what to do, and he'll do it if it don't take no figuring. "'He can't think of nothing to do himself, but he sure can take orders.' There was a clang of horseshoe on iron stake outside and a little cheer of voices. Slim moved back slightly to the light so that the light was not on his face. Funny how you and him string along together. It was Slim's calm invitation to confidence. What's funny about it? George demanded defensively. Oh, I don't know. Hardly none of the guys ever traveled together. I hardly never seen two guys travel together. You know how the hands are. They just come in and get their bunk and work a month, and then they quit and go out alone. Never seem to give a damn about nobody. It just seems kind of funny a cuckoo like him and a smart little guy like you traveling together. He ain't no cuckoo, said George. He's dumb as hell, but he ain't crazy. And I ain't so bright neither, or I wouldn't be bucking barley for my fifty and found. If I was bright, if I was even a little bit smart, I'd have my own little place, and I'd be bringing in my own crops instead of doing all the work and not getting what comes up out of the ground. George fell silent. He wanted to talk. Slim neither encouraged nor discouraged him. He just sat back, quiet and receptive. It ain't so funny, him and me going out together, George said at last. Him and me was both born in Auburn. I knowed his Aunt Clara. She took him when he was a baby and raised him up. When his Aunt Clara died, Lenny just come along with me out working. Kind of got used to each other after a little while. Hmm, said Slim. George looked over at Slim and saw the calm, godlike eyes fastened on him. Funny, said George. I used to have a hell of a lot of fun with him. Used to play jokes on him, because he was too dumb to take care of himself. But he was too dumb even to know he had a joke played on him. I had fun, made me seem goddamn smart alongside of him. 
Why, he'd do any damn thing I told him. If I told him to walk off a cliff, over he'd go. That wasn't so damn much fun after a while. He never got mad about it, neither. I beat the hell out of him, and he could have bust every bone in my body just with his hands, but he never lifted a finger against me. George's voice was taking on the tone of confession. Tell you what made me stop that. One day, a bunch of guys was standing around up on the Sacramento River. I was feeling pretty smart. I turns to Lenny and says, Jump in. And he jumps in. Couldn't swim a stroke. He damn near drowned before we could get to him. And he was so damn nice to me for pulling him out. Clean forgot I told him to jump in. Well, I ain't done nothing like that no more. He's a nice fella, said Slim. Guy don't need no sense to be a nice fella. Seems to me sometimes it just works the other way around. Take a real smart guy and he ain't hardly ever a nice fella. George stacked the scattered cards and began to lay out his solitaire hand. The shoes thudded on the ground outside and the windows, at the windows, the light of the evening still made the window squares bright. I ain't got no people, said George. I seen the guys that go around on the ranches alone. They ain't no good. They don't have no fun. After a long time, they get mean. They get wanting to fight all the time. Yeah, they get mean, Slim agreed. They go so they don't, they get so that they don't want to talk to nobody. Course, Lenny's a goddamn nuisance most of the time, said George. But you get used to going around with a guy and you can't get rid of him. He ain't mean, said Slim. I can see Lenny ain't a bit mean. Course he ain't mean, but he gets in trouble all the time because he's so goddamn dumb. Like what happened in Weed. He stopped, stopped in the middle of turning over a card. He looked alarmed and peered over at Slim. You wouldn't tell nobody. What he do in Weed? Slim asked calmly. You wouldn't tell? No, course you wouldn't. What he do in Weed? Slim asked again. Well, he seen this girl in a red dress. Dumb bastard like he is, he wants to touch everything he likes, just wants to feel it. So he reaches out to feel this red dress, and the girl lets out a squawk, and then gets Lenny all mixed up, and he holds on, cause that's the only thing he can think to do. Well, this girl squawks and squawks. I was just a little bit off, and I heard all the yelling, so I comes running, and by the time Lenny's so scared, all he can do is just hold on. I socked him over the head with a, a fence picket to make him let go. He was so scared, he couldn't let go of that dress. And he's so goddamn strong, you know? Slim's eyes were level and unwinking. He nodded very slowly. So what happens? George carefully built his line of solitaire cards. Well, that girl rabbits in and tells the law she been raped. The guys and we start a search party to lynch Lenny. So we sit in an irrigation ditch under water all the rest of the day got only our heads sticking up from the side of the ditch, and that night we scrambled out of there. Slim sat in silence for a moment. Didn't hurt the girl none, huh? He asked finally. Hell no, he just scared her. I'd be scared too if he grabbed me, but he never hurt her. He just wanted to touch that red dress like he wants to pet them pups all the time. He ain't mean, said Slim. I can tell a mean guy a mile off. "'Course he ain't, and he'll do any goddamn thing I—' "'Lenny came in through the door. "'He wore his blue denim coat over his shoulders like a cape, "'and he walked hunched way over. "'Hi, Lenny,' said George. "'How do you like the pup now?' "'Lenny said breathlessly. 
He's brown and white, just like I want it. He went directly to his bunk and lay down and turned his face to the wall and drew up his knees. George put down his cards very deliberately. Lenny, he said sharply. Lenny twisted his neck and looked over his shoulder. Huh? What you want, George? I told you you couldn't bring that pup in here. What pup, George? I ain't got no pup. George went quickly to him, grabbed him by the shoulder, and rolled him over. He reached down and picked the tiny puppy from where Lenny had been concealing it against his stomach. Lenny sat up quickly. Give him to me, George! That brings us to the end of segment, chapter 3, segment 1 of Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Please stay tuned. Until next time. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. Let's jump right back into John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men, Chapter 3, Segment 2. George said, You get right up and take that pup back to the nest. He's got to sleep with his mother. You want to kill him? Just born last night and you take him out of the nest. You take him back or I'll tell Slim not to let you have him. Lenny held out his hands pleadingly. Give him to me, George. I'll take him back. I didn't mean no harm, George. I, honest, I didn't. I, I just wanted to pet him a little. George handed the pup to him. All right, you take him back there quick, and don't you take him out no more. You'll kill him the first thing you know. Lenny fairly scuttled out of the room. Slim had not moved. His calm eyes followed Lenny out of the door. Jesus, he said. He's just like a kid, ain't he? Sure, he's just like a kid. There ain't no more harm in him than a kid neither, except he's so strong. I bet he won't come in here to sleep tonight. He'll sleep right alongside that box in the barn. Well, let him. He ain't doing no harm out there. It was almost dark outside now. Old Candy the Swamper came in and went to his bunk, and behind him struggled his old dog. Hello, Slim. Hello, George. Did neither of you play horseshoes? I don't like to play every night said Slim. Candy went on. Either of you guys got a slug of whiskey? I, I got a gut ache. I ain't, said Slim. I'd drink it myself if I had, and I ain't got a gut ache neither. Got a bad gut ache, said Candy. Them goddamn turnips give it to me. I know they was going to before I even eat them. The thick-bodied Carlson came in out of the darkening yard. He walked to the other end of the bunkhouse and turned on the second shaded light. Darker than hell in here, he said. Jesus, how that nigger can pitch shoes. He's plenty good, said Slim. Damn right he is, said Carlson. He don't give nobody else a chance to win. He stopped and sniffed the air, and still sniffing, looked down at the old dog. God almighty, that dog stinks. Get him out of here, Candy. I don't know nothing that stinks as bad as an old dog. You get him out. Candy rolled to the edge of his bunk. He reached over and patted the ancient dog, and he apologized. I've been around him so much I never noticed how he stinks. Well, I can't stand him in here, said Carlson. That stink hangs around even after he's gone. He walked over with his heavy-legged stride and looked down at the dog. Got no teeth, he said. He's all stiff with rheumatism. He ain't no good to you, Candy. Ain't even no good to himself. Why don't you shoot him, Candy? The old man squirmed uncomfortably. Well, hell, I, I had him so long. Had him since he was a pup. I herded sheep with him, he said proudly. You wouldn't think it to look at him now, but he was the best damn sheepdog I ever seen. 
George said. I seen a guy in weed that had an Airedale could herd sheep, learned it from the other dogs. Carlson was not to be put off. Look, Candy, this old dog just suffers himself all the time. If, if, if you was to take him out and shoot him right in the back of the head, he leaned over and pointed, right there, why he'd never know what hit him. Candy looked about unhappily. No, he said softly. No, I, I, I couldn't do that. I, I had him too long. He don't have no fun, Carlson insisted, and he stinks to beat hell. Tell you what, I'll shoot him for you, then it won't be you that does it. Candy threw his legs off the bunk. He scratched his white stubble whiskers on his cheeks nervously. I'm so used to him, he said softly. I had him from a pup. Well, you ain't being kind to him, keeping him alive, said Carlson. Look, Slim's bitch has got a litter now. I bet Slim would give you one of them pups to raise up, wouldn't you, Slim? The Skinner had been studying the old dog with his calm eyes. Yeah, he said. You can have a pup if you want to. He seemed to shake himself free for speech. Carl's right, Candy. That dog ain't no good to himself. I wish someone shoot me if I got old and cripple. Candy looked helplessly at him, for Slim's opinion were law. Maybe you'd hurt him, he suggested. I don't mind taking care of him. Carlson said, the way I'd shoot him, he wouldn't feel nothing. I'd put the gun right there, he pointed with his toe, right back of the head. He wouldn't even quiver. Candy looked for help from face to face. It was quite dark outside by now. A young laboring man came in. His sloping shoulders were bent forward, and he walked heavily on his heels, as though he carried the invisible grain bag. He went to his bunk and put his hat on his shelf. Then he picked up a magazine from his shelf and brought it to the light over to the table. Did I show you this, Slim? he asked. Show me what? The young man turned to the back of the magazine, put it down on the table, and pointed with his finger. Right there. Read that. Slim bent over. Go on, said the young man. Read it out loud. Dear Editor, Slim read slowly. I read your mag for six years, and I think it's the best on the market. I like stories by Peter Rand. I think he is a weanding. Give us more like the dark writer. I don't write many letters, just thought I'd write and tell you that I think your mag is the best dime's worth I ever spent. Slim looked up questioningly. What you want me to read that for? Wit said, Go on, read the name at the bottom. Slim read, Yours for success, William Tenner. He glanced up at Wit again. What you want me to read that for? Wit closed the magazine impressively. Don't you remember Bill Tenner? Worked here about three months ago, Slim thought. Little guy, he asked. Drove a cultivator? That's him, Wit cried. That's the guy. You think he's the guy wrote this letter? I know it. Bill and me was in here one day. Bill had one of them books that just come. He was looking at it and he says, I wrote a letter. Wonder if they put it in the book. But it wasn't there. Bill says, maybe they're saving it for later. And that's just what they've done. There it is. Guess you're right, said Slim. Got it right in the book. George held out his hand for the magazine. Let's look at it. Witt found the place again, but he did not surrender his hold on it. He pointed out the letter with his forefinger, and then he went to his box shelf and laid the magazine carefully in. I wonder if Bill's seen it, he said. Bill and me worked in that patch of field peas, run cultivators, both of us. Bill was a hell of a nice fella. 
During the conversation, Carlson had refused to be drawn in. He continued to look down at the old dog. Candy watched him uneasily. At last, Carlson said, If you want me to, I'll put the old devil out of his misery right now and get it over with. Ain't nothing left for him. Can't eat, can't see, can't even walk without hurting. Candy said hopefully, You ain't got no gun. The hell I ain't. Got a luger. It won't hurt him none at all. Candy said, Maybe tomorrow. Let, let's wait till tomorrow. I don't see no reason for it, said Carlson. He went to his bunk, pulled his bag from underneath it, and took out a Luger pistol. Let's get it over with, he said. We can't sleep with him stinking around in here. He put the pistol in his hip pocket. Candy took a long time. Candy looked a long time at Slim to try to find some reversal, and Slim gave him none. At last, Candy said softly and hopelessly, All right take him. He did not look down at the dog at all. He lay back on his bunk and crossed his arms behind his head and stared at the ceiling. From his pocket, Carlson took a little leather thong. He stooped over and tied it around the old dog's neck. All the men except Candy watched him. Come, boy, come on, boy, he said gently, and he said apologetically to Candy. He won't even feel it. Candy did not move nor answer him. He twitched the thong. Come on, boy. The old dog got slowly and stiffly to his feet and followed the gently pulling leash. Slim said, Carlson? Yeah? You know what to do. What you mean, Slim? Take a shovel, said, Simp, sl said, Shimps, <laughs> said Slim shortly. Tongue twister. Oh, sure, I get you. He led the dog out into the darkness. George followed to the door and shut the door and set the latch gently in its place. Candy lay rigidly on his bed, staring at the ceiling. Slim said loudly, One of my lead mules got a bad hoof. Got to get some tar on it. His voice trailed off. It was silent outside. Carlson's footsteps died away. The silence came into the room, and the silence lasted. George chuckled. I bet Lenny's right out there in the barn with his pup. He won't come in here no more now he's got a pup. Slim said, Candy, you can have any of them pups. Candy, you can have any one of them pups you want. Candy did not answer. The silence fell on the room again. It came out of the night and invaded the room. George said, "Anybody like to play a little euchre?" "I'll play a few with you," said Wit. They took places opposite each other at the table under the light. But George did not shuffle the cards. He rippled the edge of the deck nervously, and the little snapping noise drew the eyes of all the men in the room so that he stopped doing it. The silence fell on the room again. A minute passed, and another minute. Candy lay still, staring at the ceiling. Slim gazed at him for a moment and then looked down at his hands. He subdued one hand with the other and held it down. There came a little gnawing sound from under the floor, and all the men looked down toward it gratefully. Only Candy continued to stare at the ceiling. "'Sounds like there was a rat down there,' said George. "'We ought to get a trap down there.' Whit broke out. "'What the hell's taking him so long? Lay out some cards, why don't you? We ain't going to get no euchre played this way.' George brought the cards together tightly and studied the backs of them. The silence was in the room again. A shot sounded in the distance. The men looked quickly at the old man. Every head turned toward him. For a moment, he continued to stare at the ceiling. Then he rolled slowly over and faced the wall and lay silent. That brings us to the end of Chapter 3, Segment 2 
of Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Hi, everybody. Let's jump right back in to John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Chapter 3, Segment 4. When Candy spoke, they both jumped as though they had been caught doing something reprehensible. Candy said, You know where there is a place like that? George was on guard immediately. Suppose I do, he said. What's that to you? You don't need to tell me where it's at. Might be any place. Sure, said George. That's right. You couldn't find it in a hundred years. Candy went on excitedly. How much they want for a place like that? George watched him suspiciously. Well, I could get it for six hundred bucks. The old people that owns it is flat bust and the old lady needs an operation. Say, what's it to you? You got nothing to do with us. Candy said, I ain't much good with only one hand. I lost my right hand right here on this ranch. That's why they give me a job swamping. And they give me two hundred and fifty dollars because I lost my hand. And I got fifty more saved up right in the bank right now. That's three hundred, and I got fifty more coming at the end of the month. Tell you what, he leaned forward eagerly. Suppose I went in with you guys. That's three hundred and fifty bucks I'd put in. I ain't much good, but I can cook and tend the chickens and hoe the garden some. How'd that be? George half closed his eyes. I gotta think about that. We always was gonna do it by ourselves. Candy interrupted him. I'd make a will and leave my share to you guys in case I kick off. Cause I ain't got no relatives nor nothing. You guys got any money? Maybe we could do it right now. George spat on the floor disgustedly. We got ten bucks between us. Then he said thoughtfully, Look, if me and Lenny work a month and don't spend nothing, we'll have a hundred bucks. That'll be four fifty. I bet we could swing her for that. Then you and Lenny could go on and get her started, and I'd get a job and make up the rest, and you could sell eggs and stuff like that. They fell into a silence. They looked at one another, amazed. This thing that they had never really believed was that they never really believed in was coming true. George said reverently, Jesus Christ, I bet we could swing her. His eyes were full of wonder. I bet we could swing her. He repeated softly. Candy sat on the edge of his bunk. He scratched the stump of his wrist nervously. I got hurt four years ago, he said. They'll can me pretty soon, just as I can't swamp out no bunkhouses. They'll, they'll put me on the county. Maybe if I give you guys my money, you'll let me hoe in the garden if I ain't no good at it, and I'll wash dishes and little chicken stuff like that. But it'll be on our own place, and I'll be able to work on our own place. He said miserably, You've seen what they done to my dog tonight. They says he wasn't no good to himself nor nobody else. When when they can when they can me here, I wish somebody'd shoot me, but they won't do nothing like that. I won't have no place to go and, and I can't get no more jobs. I'll have thirty dollars more coming till you guys is ready to quit. George stood up. We'll do her, he said. We'll fix up that little old place. We'll go live there. He sat down again. They all sat still, all bemused by the beauty of the thing. Each mind was popped into the future when this lovely thing should come about. George said wonderingly, 
Suppose there was a, con a carnival or a circus come to town, or, or a ball game, or any damn thing. Old Candy nodded in appreciation of the idea. We'd just go to her, George said. We wouldn't ask nobody if we could. Just say, we'll go to her, and, and we would. Just milk the cow and sling some grain to the chickens and, and go to her. And put some grass to the rabbits, Lenny broke in. I would never forget, I would never forget to feed them. When are we going to do it, George? In one month. Right squack in one month. Know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write to them old people that owns the place that, that will take it. And Candy will send a hundred dollars to bind her. Sure will, said Candy. They got a good stove there? Sure, got a nice stove. Burns coal or wood. I'm going to take my pup, said Lenny. I bet by Christ he likes it there. By Jesus! Voices were approaching from outside. George said quickly, Don't tell nobody about it. Just us three and nobody else. They liable to can us so we can't make no stake. Just go on like we was going to buck barley the rest of our lives. Then all of a sudden someday we're going to get our pay and scram out of here. Lenny and Candy nodded, and they were grinning with delight. Don't tell nobody, Lenny said to himself. Candy said, George? Huh? I ought to have shot that dog myself, George. I shouldn't have let no stranger shoot my dog. The door opened. Slim came in, followed by Curly and Carlson and Wit. Slim's hands were black with tar, and he was scowling. Curly hung close to his elbow. Curly said, Well, I didn't mean nothing, Slim. I, I, I just asked you. Slim said, Well, you've been asking me too often. I'm getting damn sick of it. If you can't look after your own goddamn wife, what you expect me to do about it? You lay off of me. I'm just trying to tell you I didn't mean nothing, said Curly. I just thought you might have saw her. Why don't you tell her to stay the hell home where she belongs, said Carlson. You let her hang around brick bunkhouses, and pretty soon you're going to get something on your hands you won't be able to do nothing about. Curly whirled on Carlson. You keep out of this lest you want to step outside. Carlson laughed. You goddamn punk, he said. You tried to throw a scare into Slim, and you couldn't make it stick. Slim throwed a scare into you. You're yellow as a frog, Billy. I don't care if you're the best welter in the country. You come for me, and I'll kick your goddamn head off. Candy joined the attack with joy. Glove full of Vaseline, he said disgustedly. Curly glared at him. His eyes slipped on past and lighted on Lenny and Lenny was still smiling with delight at the memory of the ranch. Curly stepped over to Lenny like a terrier. What the hell you laughing at? Lenny looked blankly at him. Huh? Then Curly's rage exploded. Come on, you big bastard, get up on your feet. No big son of a bitch is going to laugh at me. I'll show you who's yellow. Lenny looked helplessly at George, and then he got up and tried to retreat. Curly was balanced and poised. He slashed at Lenny with his left, and then smashed down on his nose with the right. Lenny gave a cry of terror. Blood welled from his nose. George, he cried. Make him leave me alone, George. He backed up until he was against the wall, and Curly followed, slugging him in the face. Lenny's hands remained at his sides. He was too frightened to defend himself. George was on his feet, yelling, Get him, Lenny! Don't let him do it! Lenny covered his face with his huge paws and bleated with terror. He cried, Make him stop, George! Then Curly attacked his stomach, and his wind was cut off. Slim jumped in. The dirty little rat, he cried. I'll get him myself. 
George put out his hand and grabbed Slim. Wait a minute, he shouted. He cupped his hands around his mouth and yelled, Get him, Lenny! Lenny took his hands away from his face and looked about for George, and Curly slashed at his eyes. The big face was covered with blood. George yelled again, I said get him! Curly's fist was swinging when Lenny reached for it. The next minute, Curly was flopping like a fish on a line, and his closed fist was lost in Lenny's big hand. George ran down the room. Let go of him, Lenny! L Lenny, let go! But Lenny watched in terror the flopping little man whom he held. Blood ran down Lenny's face. One of his eyes was cut and closed. George slapped him on the face again and again, and still Lenny held on to the closed fist. Curly was white and shrunken by now, and his struggling had become weak. He stood crying, his fist lost in Lenny's paw. George shouted over and over, Let go his hand, Lenny! Let go! Slim, come help me while the guy while the guy still got any hand left. Suddenly, Lenny let go of his hold. He crouched, cowering against the wall. You told me to, George, he said miserably. Curly sat down on the floor, looking in wonder at his crushed hand. Slim and Carlson bent over him. Then Slim straightened up and regarded Lenny with horror. We gotta get him to a doctor, he said. Looks to me like every bone in his hand is bust. I didn't want to, Lenny cried. I didn't want to hurt him. Slim said, Carlson, you get the candy wagon hitched up. We'll take him into Soledad and get him fixed up. Carlson hurried out. Slim turned to the whimpering Lenny. It ain't your fault, he said. This punk sure had it coming to him. But Jesus, he ain't hardly got no hand left. Slim hurried out and in a moment returned with a tin cup of water. He held it to, to Curly's lips. George said, Slim, will we get canned now? We need the steak. Will, will Curly's old man can us now? Slim smiled wryly. He knelt down beside Curly. You got your senses in hand enough to listen? He asked Curly. Curly nodded. Well, well then listen, Slim went on. I think you got your hand caught in a machine. If you don't tell nobody what happened, we ain't going to. But you just tell and try to get this guy canned and we'll tell everybody and then you will get the laugh. I won't tell, said Curly. He avoided looking at Lenny. Buggy will sounded outside. Slim helped Curly up. Come on now, Carlson's going to take you to the doctor. He helped Curly out the door. The sound of wheels drew away. In a moment, Slim came back to the bunkhouse. He looked at Lenny, still crouched fearfully against the wall. Let's see your hands, he asked. Lenny stuck out his hands. Christ almighty, I hate to have you mad at me, Slim said. George broke in. Lenny was just scared, he explained. He didn't know what to do. I told you nobody ought never to fight him. No, I, I guess it was Candy, I told. Candy nodded solemnly. That's just what you done, he said. Right this morning when Curly first let in to your friend, you says, he better not fool with Lenny if he knows what's good for him. That's just what you says to me. George turned to Lenny. It ain't your fault, he said. You don't need to be scared no more. You done just what I told you to. Maybe you better go in the washroom and, 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 and clean your face. You look like hell. Lenny smiled with his bruised mouth. I didn't want no trouble, he said. He walked toward the door, but just before he came to it, he turned back. George, what you want? I can still tend the rabbits, George. Sure, you ain't done nothing wrong. 
I didn't mean no harm, George. Well, get the hell out and wash your face. That brings us to the end of Chapter 3 of John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Thank you so much for joining me here at Carla Reads the Classics. Until next time. Hi, everybody. Let's keep it rolling with John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men, Chapter 3, Segment 3. George shuffled the cards noisily and dealt them. Wit drew a scoring board to him and set the pegs to start. Wit said, I guess you guys really come here to work. How do you mean? George asked. Wit laughed. Well, you come on a Friday. You got two days to work till Sunday. I don't see how you figure, said George. Wit laughed again. You do if you've been around these big ranches much. Guy that wants to look over a ranch comes in Saturday afternoon. He gets Saturday night supper and three meals on Sunday, and he can quit Monday morning after breakfast without turning his hand. But you come to work Friday noon. You got to put in a day and a half, no matter how you figure. George looked at him levelly. We're going to stick around a while, he said. Me and Lenny's going to roll up a stake. The door opened quietly, and the stable buck put in his head. A lean negro head, lined with pain, the eyes patient. Mr. Slim? Slim took his eyes from old Candy. Huh? Oh, hello, Crooks. What's the matter? You told me to warm up tar for that mule's foot. I got it warm. Oh, sure, Crooks. I'll come right out and put it on. I can do it for you if you want, Mr. Slim. No, I'll come do it myself. He stood up. Crooks said, Mr. Slim? Yeah. That big new guy's messing around your pups out in the barn. Well, he ain't doing no harm. I give him one of I give him one of them pups. Just thought I'd tell you, said Crooks. He's taking them out of the nest and handling them. That won't do him no good. He won't hurt him, said Slim. I'll come along with you now. George looked up. If that crazy bastard's fooling around too much, just kick him out, Slim. Slim followed the stable buck out of the room. George dealt, and Wit picked up his cards and examined them. See the new kid yet? he asked. What kid? George asked. Why, Curly's new wife. Yeah, I seen her. Well, ain't she a Lulu? I ain't seen that much of her, said George. Wit laid down his cards impressively. Well, stick around and keep your eyes open. You'll see plenty. She ain't concealing nothing. I never seen nobody like her. She got the eye going all the time on everybody. I bet she able booked the eye. I don't know what the hell she wants, George asked casually. Been any trouble since she got here? It was obvious that Wit was not interested in his cards. He laid his hand down, and George scooped it in. George laid out his deliberate, solitaire hand, seven cards, and six on top, and five on top of those. Wit said, I see what you mean. No, there ain't been nothing yet. Curly's got yellow jackets in his drawers, but that's all so far. Every time the guy's around, she shows up. She's looking for Curly, or she thought she left something laying around, and she's looking for it. Seems like she can't keep away from guys. And Curly's pants is just crawling with ants, but there ain't nothing come of it yet. George said, she's going to make a mess. There's going to be a bad mess about her. She's a jailbait, and she's a jailbait all set on the trigger. That Curly's got his work cut out for him. Ranch with a bunch of guys on it ain't no place for a girl, especially like her. Wit said, if you got ideas, you ought to come into town with us guys tomorrow night. Why? What's doing? 
Just the usual thing. We go into old Susie's place. Hell of a nice place. Old Susie's a laugh, always cracking jokes, like she says when we come up on the front porch last Saturday night. Susie opens the door, and then she yells over her shoulder, Get your coats on, girls! Here comes the sheriff! She never talks dirty, neither. Got five girls there. What's it set you back? George asked. Two and a half. You can get a shot for two bits. Susie's got nice chairs to set in, too. If a guy don't want to flop, why, he can just sit in the chairs and have a couple of three shots and pass the time of day, and Susie don't give a damn. She ain't rushing guys through and kicking them out if they don't want to flop. Might go in and look the joint over, said George. Sure, come along. It's a hell of a lot of fun, her cracking jokes all the time. Like she says one time, she says, she says, I've knew people that if they got a rag rug on the floor and a cupid and a cupid doll lamp on the phonograph, they think they're running a parlor house. That's Clara's house she's talking about. And Susie says, I know what you boys won't, she says. My girls is clean, she says, and there ain't no water in my whiskey, she says. If any of you guys want to look at a cupid doll lamp and take your own chance getting burned, why, you know where to go. And she says, there's guys around here walking bow-legged because they like to look at a cupid doll lamp. George asked, Clara runs the other house, huh? Yeah, said Wit. We don't never go there. Clara gets three bucks uh, a crack and 35 cents a shot. And she don't crack no jokes. But Susie's place is clean and she got nice chairs. Don't let no goo-goos in, neither. Me and Lenny's rolling up a steak said George. I, I might get in and, and set and have a shot, but I ain't putting out no two and a half. Well, a guy's got to have some fun sometime, said Wit. The door opened and Lenny and Carlson came in together. Lenny crept to his bunk and sat down, trying not to attract attention. Carlson reached under his bunk and brought out his bag. He didn't look at old Candy, who still faced the wall. Carlson found a little cleaning rod in the bag and a can of oil. He laid them on his bed and then brought out the pistol, took out the magazine, and snapped the loaded shell from the chamber. Then he fell to cleaning the barrel with a little rod. When the ejector snapped, Candy turned over and looked for a moment at the gun before he turned back to the wall again. Carlson said casually, Curly been in yet? No, said Wit. What's eaten on Curly? Carlson squinted down the barrel of his gun, looking for his old lady. I seen him going round and round outside. Wit said sarcastically, he spends half his time looking for her, and the rest of the time she's looking for him. Curly burst into the room excitedly. Any of you guys seen my wife? he demanded. She ain't been here, said Wit. Curly looked threateningly about the room. Where the hell's Slim? Went out in the barn, said George. He was going to put some tar on a split hoof. Curly's shoulders dropped and squared. How long ago he'd go? Five, ten minutes? Curly jumped out the door and banged it after him. Wit stood up. I guess maybe I'd like to see this, he said. Curly's just spoiling or he wouldn't start for Slim. And Curly's handy, goddamn handy. Got in the finals for the Golden Gloves. He got newspaper clippings all about it he considered, but just the same, he better leave Slim alone. Nobody don't know what Slim can do. Think Slim's with his wife, don't he? said George. Looks like it, Wit said. Course Slim ain't. Least I don't think Slim is, but I'd like to see the fuss if it comes off. Come on, let's go. George said, I'm staying right here. I don't want to get mixed up in nothing. Lenny and me, Lenny and me got a steak to make. 
Carlson finished the cleaning of the gun and put it in the bag and pushed the bag under his bunk. I guess I'll go out and look her over, he said. Old Candy lay still, and Lenny, from his bunk, watched George cautiously. When Wit and Carlson were gone and the door closed after them, George turned to Lenny. What you got on your mind? I ain't done nothing, George. Slim says I better not pet them pups so much for a while. Slim says it ain't good for them, so I come right in. I've been good, George. I could have told you that, said George. Well, I wasn't hurt them none. I, I just had mine in my lap, petting it. George asked, did you see Slim out in the barn? Sure I did. He told me I better not pet that pup no more. Did you see that girl? You mean Curly's girl? Yeah, did she come in the barn? No, anyways, I never seen her. You never seen Slim talking to her? Uh-uh, she ain't been in the barn. Okay, said George. I guess them guys ain't gonna see no fight. If there's any fighting, Lenny, you keep out of it. I don't want no fights, said Lenny. He got up from his bunk and sat down at the table across from George. Almost automatically, George shuffled the cards and laid out his solitaire hand. He used a deliberate, thoughtful slowness. Lenny reached for a face card and studied it, then turned it upside down and studied it. Both ends the same, he said. George, why is it both ends the same? I don't know, said George. That's just the way they make them. What was Slim doing in the barn when you seen him? Slim? Sure, you seen him in the barn, and he told you not to pet the pup so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, he had a can of tar and a can of, and a paintbrush. I, I don't know what for. You sure that girl didn't come in like she come in here today? No, she never come. George sighed. You give me a good whorehouse every time, he said. A guy can go in and get drunk and get everything out of his system all at once, and no messes, and he knows how much is going to set him back. These here jail baits is just set on the trigger of the hoose-gow. Lenny followed his words admiringly and moved his lips a little to keep up. George continued, You remember Andy Cushman, Lenny? Went to grammar school? The, the one that his old lady used to make hotcakes for the kids? Lenny asked. Yeah, that's the one. You can remember anything if there's food to eat in it. George looked carefully at the solitaire hand. He put an ace up on his scoring pack and piled a two, three, and a four of diamonds on it. Andy's in San Quentin right now on account of a tart, said George. Lenny drummed on the table with his fingers. George? Huh? George, how long's it going to be till we get that little place and live on the fat of the land and, and rabbits? I don't know, said George. We got to get a big steak together. I know a little place we can get cheap, but they ain't giving it away. Old Candy turned slowly over, his eyes wide open. He watched George carefully. Lenny said, Tell about that place, George. I just told you last night. Go on, tell again, George. Well, it's ten acres, said George. Got a little windmill, got a little shack on it, and, and a chicken run. Got a kitchen, orchard, Cherries, apples, peaches, cots, nuts, and a few berries. There's a place for alfalfa and plenty water to flood it. There's a pit pen. And, and, and rabbits, George. No place for rabbits now, but I could easily build a few hutches and you could feed alfalfa to the rabbits. Damn right I could, said Lenny. You goddamn right I could. George's hands stopped working with cards. His voice was growing warmer. 
and, and we could have a few pigs. I could build a smokehouse like the one Grandpa had, and, and when we kill a pig, we can smoke the bacon and, and the hams and make sausage and all that. And when the salmon run up the river, we could catch a hundred of them and, and salt them down or smoke them. We could have them for breakfast. They ain't nothing so nice as smoked salmon. When the fruit come in, we could can it, and, and tomatoes, they're easy to can. Every Sunday we'd can it. We'd, we'd kill a chicken or a rabbit. Maybe we'd have a cow or a goat. And the cream is so damn thick, you got to cut it with a knife and take it out with a spoon. Lenny watched him with wide eyes, and old Candy watched him too. Lenny said softly, We could live off the fat of the land. Sure, said George. All kinds of vegetables in the garden, and if we want a little whiskey, we can sell a few eggs or something, or some milk. We'd just live there. We'd belong there. There wouldn't be no more running round the country and getting fed by a Jap cook. No, sir, we'd have our own place where we belonged and not sleep in no bunkhouse. Tell about the house, George, Lenny begged. Sure, we'd have a little house and a room to ourself, little fat iron stove, and in the winter we'd keep a fire going in it. It ain't enough land, so we'd have to work too hard, maybe six, seven hours a day. We wouldn't have to buck no barley eleven hours a day. And when we put in a crop, why, we'd be there to take the crop up. We'd know what come of, we'd know what come of our planting. And rabbits, Lenny said eagerly, and I'd take care of the rabbits. Tell how I'd do that, George. Sure, you'd go out in the alfalfa patch and you'd have a sack. You'd fill up the sack and bring it in and put it in the rabbit cages. They'd nibble and nibble, said Lenny, the way they do. I, I seen them. Ever six weeks or so, George continued, them does would throw a litter so we'd have plenty rabbits to eat and to sell, and we'd keep a few pigeons to go flying around the windmill like they done when I was a kid. He looked raptly at the wall over Lenny's head, and it'd be our own, and nobody could can us, and if we don't like a guy, we can say, get the hell out, and by God, he's got to do it, and if a friend come along, we'd have an extra bunk, and we'd say, why don't you spend the night, and by God, he would. We'd have a setter dog and a couple of striped cats, but you gotta watch out them cats. Don't get the little rabbits. Lenny breathed hard. You just let them try and get the rabbits. I'll break their goddamn necks. I'll, I'll, I'll smash them with a stick. He subsided, grumbling to himself, threatening the future cats, which might dare to disturb the future rabbits. George sat entranced with his own picture. That'll do it for Chapter 3, Segment 3 of John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Stay tuned.